Hi, I'm Sarah Trott, and welcome to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. I'm a new mama, and this podcast is all about postpartum care for the first few months following birth, the time period also known as the Fourth Trimester. My postpartum doula, Esther Gallagher, is my co-host. She's a mother, grandmother, perinatal educator, birth and postpartum care provider. Fourth Trimester Care, our topic, is about the practical, emotional, and social support parents and baby require. And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting. Hi, this is Sarah Trout with Fourth Trimester Podcast. Esther is not with us today. We miss her dearly, but she'll be back again soon for another episode, I promise. I'm here with Leah Keller, who's our special guest today, and I'll introduce her in a moment. Today's topic is really cool. It's about how to prepare your body for giving birth with confidence. We are going to dive into a ton of details around this, like minimizing risk as much as possible. Are there ways to make birth easier or faster? Programs that people can participate in, exercise they can do at home to make this easier and more. So I'm really excited about that topic. Please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and hit subscribe so you can be alerted of any new episode as it's released. You can also go to our website, which is fourthtrimesterpodcast.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. So please do that as well. And now, Leah, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I am going to give you a little bit of an intro here. So you are a personal trainer, Mm -hmm. and you created Every Mother, which is an online therapeutic exercise program. It's been endorsed by medical professionals and birth professionals. And really what you've been focused on is helping women exercise safely during pregnancy, as well as after giving birth, helping them restore their strength, restore their function, recover from injury. You have a master's in English. You have a bachelor's in (laughs) psychology. You've been featured on NPR and Good Morning America, and you live with your husband and your kids in San Francisco. Welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. We would love to talk a little bit more about your own fourth trimester experience, which is something that we discussed when we were doing some prep for the show. And it was really beautiful what you shared. Would you be willing to share some of your story? Yeah, sure. So as you just summarized so well, my work since 2008 has really been around helping support women and birthing people during pregnancy and after pregnancy with exercise that is proven to help improve birth outcomes and also restore and uh, rebuild the body postnatally. And um, I was doing this before my daughter was born. She was born in 2013. Um, and I was passionate about it both because I was helping my clients and wanting to help them in New York, but also wanting to like gather this information for myself so that when I had the privilege of being pregnant and giving birth, I could do that with full awareness of how to prepare my body and how to do that with strength and confidence. Um, So when I went into the birth experience with my daughter, I had already been counseling clients for years about how to prepare for birth. And that all was true in, in my experience in terms of like strengthening the push muscles and training the pelvic floor to relax and open. And we can talk more about that in a second. But, um, and I would tell my clients too, that the, the estimated workload of labor is like running 12 miles. I mean, it's sort of like just something to wrap your head around. Like this is a hard physical act, right? To give birth. It's not like it just happens. Um, so your body is laboring literally to birth the child. And, even though I knew theoretically this should be hard, like 
I didn't realize until I experienced it in my own body just how hard it was. And I had a really positive birth, very empowered birth um, at the hospital without an epidural, like like in terms of what I was hoping for, all of those hopes I were realized. So I feel very lucky in that way. And yet still, I was like, this was the hardest thing I had ever done in my life. And I had run a couple marathons by that point. Like I had done a lot of hard things physically. And I was just like floored with how much just that demanded of me physically. And I thought, now I am a person who've, who's pretty much been training for birth for five years. Like since <laughs> I started to train my clients, I would always do what I was also having my clients do. So I've kind of been training for this, preparing my body physically for five years and had this awareness of like how to activate the muscles, how to relax the muscles, how do I want to coordinate this and like practicing that. So to still have had just just been blown away by the challenge of it, I was like, I cannot imagine what women go through if they don't have this physical preparation. Like it's just, it's just unfathomable to me. And I was sitting there looking at my baby full of oxytocin and like the post-birth rush of all the, all the feelings and all of the like euphoria. And I was in love with her and thinking, it is not okay for my daughter who will probably someday birth, just the odds are high that someday she'll experience a birth. Like she must know everything I know in order to go through that experience, like with knowledge and empowerment and like to have her full power as she enters that experience. And anything less than that is unacceptable for, for her or for any other child or person who's ever going to grow up and grow into that experience. So I was just like, that kind of gave me the added passion and perseverance to carry forward when just like running a business and creating videos and all the things that kind of like have come since then to try to get this message out for to a lot more people have been challenging. I'm like, I got to keep going because I can't leave anybody behind in terms of they're like everyone has a right to understand their bodies and understand how to experience the best possible birth that they can. So, so anyway, baby Rosalie has kept me going when it's felt like insurmountable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you were passionate before with your business and helping women and, and other people and families, and then having your own baby and having becoming the experience of becoming a mother yourself personally, it sounds like it's just inspired you even further. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's being a mother adds a lot more. Like suddenly my identity has shifted, my time has shifted, my sleep has shifted, everything has shifted. Like it's so much more demands on you as a human, as you are also know. But also <laughs> my commitment to like, I can't let this go. Like even some days it's hard and kids are sick or, you know, all the things that happen. It's like, well, got to keep going because it's worth it and people deserve this information. Yeah. And that information is so interesting, especially for our listeners who may be preparing for their first birth or a secondary or third birth or even more. And, yeah. you know, the questions top of mind are like, how do I best prepare my body? And I'm really excited that you bring such a wealth of experience to this conversation around that. Yeah. And there are a lot of published studies. Um, and if you want to kind of review a summary of them for anybody who's really into like digging deep into the literature, um, ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, released their most recent statement on physical activity and exercise during pregnancy and postpartum in 2020. And they've updated a little bit since then, um, but that's the most recent full statement. And they summarize a lot of this research that I'm going to refer to. But they currently recommend that all women who are having an uncomplicated pregnancy exercise during pregnancy even if they were previously sedentary, because the benefits are so strong and the risks are so low. So 
And, and I was just talking last week to a midwife, um, a local midwife. We were giving a little talk together and she was saying to the people in the, in the room that like, as a practitioner, the one thing she wants her patients to do is to commit to exercising anything, even if it means take the stairs, whenever you have the chance, take the stairs instead of the elevator or park the car further. So you need to walk to the car, but like baby steps, but the more you can work physical activity into your life, the more you will enter birth with strength and stamina. And um, one of the biggest causes that can lead to uh, surgical intervention in birth, which has higher risk than a vaginal delivery or an uncomplicated vaginal delivery, is maternal exhaustion. And it's just like just physical exhaustion. And that can really be improved when you enter birth training, having been active during that pregnancy. So you're not trying to do this hardest thing you maybe have ever done physically being deconditioned and sort of like, well, I've exercise the least I ever have because I thought I should take it easy during the pregnancy. So while we want you to relax and take it easy, we also want you to balance that with good activity so that you do have that strength physically and that confidence mentally that you can do it. So you can avoid some interventions that might be avoidable. So anyway, so to go back, like what are my recommendations for exercise during pregnancy? Well, in broad strokes, to do weight-bearing activity. So um, I mean, swimming is also nice. Swimming feels great during pregnancy, so I'm not against swimming, but you get a little bit more bang for your buck if you just go for a walk outside every day. Like, like that is a great starting place. And if the weather isn't good where you are, you can walk on a treadmill. A little incline is nice so that like if you're doing something cardiovascular, such as walking or um, biking or swimming or any any activity like that, you do want it to be challenging enough that you can't sing an opera. So you, you shouldn't be able to sing while you're doing it, but you also don't want to be so breathless that you couldn't have a light conversation. So, you know, go for a walk with a friend. That's a win-win. You get to talk and catch up with somebody and you can like have a light conversation. So that tells you you're working hard, you're breathing hot, heavily a little bit, but you can still talk. Um, so that's a good way to gauge like how hard should you be working. Um, but, you know, having some cardio that's weight-bearing in your life, if that's the only thing you can do, that is awesome. That is so awesome. Um, in, in our app with Every Mother, we specialize in core and pelvic floor training for birth. So as you can imagine, the abdominal muscles, the deep abdominal muscles are very actively involved in the pushing process um, and also in stabilizing and posture and preventing low back pain, which is so common during pregnancy and largely preventable if we, if we can learn how to distribute the weight appropriately to the core. Um, and we also train the pelvic floor muscles both so that they have good, healthy um, muscle tone, because when the baby is coming out, if that muscle is toned, it is more elastic, like a rubber band, than if it's very flaccid and weak. And so it's less likely to tear if you have a strong pelvic floor. Now, when I say strong pelvic floor, some people are like, oh, well, I don't want to keggle. I don't want to have too, too strong a muscle. I don't want to be tight, right? So your body will expand, and but you want to be able to like engage the muscle fully. And this is true of like all the muscles in your body, but right now we're talking about the pelvic floor. Um, but you also need to practice, and we practice in our app and in our exercise videos, how to relax fully and lengthen and release that pelvic floor muscle. So you want to have a balance of some strength and some healthy tone in the muscle um, so that it has integrity when you go through the birth. But you also want to be able to consciously relax, open, soften, so that you're not getting in your own way when you're pushing the baby out. Um, one other analogy I like to give is a toothpaste tube. 
So when you're pushing during labor, like, yes, your uterus contracts like on its own spontaneously. So you don't have to consciously contract the uterus, but you are pushing when it's to the final stage of labor, you are pushing the baby out physically with your push muscles. Um, And you're largely wanting to push from the upper and middle abs so that you're kind of pushing the baby out down through the opening. Um, and you don't want to keep the toothpaste tube on, like the, the cap of the toothpaste tube on. So you don't want to like squeeze the, the opening closed every time you push with the muscles of your deep core muscles. So that's why it is important to, to during the pregnancy to learn how to engage your deep core, your transverse abdominis, your obliques, um, while opening and releasing the pelvic floor. And it's it, first, you might feel kind of like it's like rubbing your belly and, tap, and patting your head. Like it's like, wait, can I do this? Because those muscles kind of want to engage together. That's sort of a natural co-contraction of those muscles. But um, you can practice this and get better and better, um, even just within a few days of just focused attention to how you engage the deep core and relax and open the pelvic floor. And we do have a free article about this um, on our website that we'll link to in the notes for this podcast. Um, but it kind of goes through step by step how you can practice this daily with a little bit of evidence. So it's actually, and it's also a good strategy to kind of poop better for your body. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm talking about poop. Yeah, just bring it up. Um, but when we have sort of a little bit of guidance from a musculoskeletal perspective and how we can poop in a safer way so we can avoid hemorrhoids and avoid some other sort of like dysfunction, constipation, et cetera, during the pregnancy. We can also improve our training and preparation and coordination of those deep core muscles for birth. So basically, I coach women through how you can like engage the muscles so that you're kind of having a, a nice bowel movement while opening and relaxing the pelvic floor. And then you have evidence that you did not, you weren't tightening the sphincter with the pelvic floor muscles because you relaxed enough that there's solid, something solid passed through you and it's, there's evidence in the toilet. So I explain this more succinctly in the article. I give you step-by-step how you can do this, but it's just like reassuring to women, especially third trimester when they're like, oh my God, like I have to get this baby out of me somehow. And like, what, what, like, how does this baby that's this big going to squeeze out of my body? It's kind of terrifying, but it is, it is a natural process and your body is powerful and resilient and, and it'll be great. Um, So anyway, it just kind of gives you that reassurance like, okay, I am relaxing those muscles and I am engaging the upper abdominal muscles. And this is, this is preparing me physically and mentally for for birth. So you're not trying to learn a new muscle coordination of like deep, almost invisible muscles while you're in labor, because that's not the, the best time to learn a new exercise. Yeah, for sure. So exercise daily is something I'm hearing, even if it's just a walk and talk with a friend, which sounds like fun anyway. That sounds great. (laughs) Um, And then maybe some other gentle exercise. Obviously consult with your doctor if you have one and make sure you're getting the, you know, the correct advice that you need from a medical standpoint. But in general... Yeah. So these core compressions sound like something that someone can do. Like, is there a certain point in pregnancy when someone should start thinking about starting this stuff? Or is it like from the moment you find out? Um, So that's a good question. So I will say the earlier, the better, but it's also never too late. So we've had people who just found out about us and they're like, I have four weeks to go. Does it like, is this still going to help me? And I'm like, absolutely. This will help you so that you, you have four weeks to prepare versus zero weeks to prepare. Um, So, I mean, 
I'd say a lot of people kind of feel more energetic and more like they're ready to embrace an exercise program during the second trimester than they do during the first because of morning sickness and nausea and just fatigue. So, you know, don't, you don't have to be hard on yourself and like drag yourself if you're not ready. Um, but usually people feel a lot better and have that energy burst in the second trimester. So I'd say if, if your first trimester, you're like, oh my God, I can't think about doing that. That's okay. Um, but second trimester is really a good time to, to just like start something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, that was definitely true for me. I was like the most energetic, like right in that middle phase. Um, yeah. you know, and that's a, like a great time to explore not only your physical fitness, but all kinds of things. If you're thinking about preparing for your postpartum experience and what that can look like. We were also talking earlier Leah, about postpartum doula care. So yeah. I want to kind of just touch on that for a second, because you and I were having a really engaged conversation around it. And I think you said something like, it's not an option. <laughs> yeah. Like it's non-negotiable or something like that. Having someone there to help. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So with my, I have two children. Um, and with my first child, I had a labor and delivery doula who mm -hmm. was great. And, but I didn't even really think about the postpartum. I, I'd probably yeah. heard about postpartum doula, but I think I thought I conflated it with a baby nurse who like comes and takes care of the baby at the nighttime so you can sleep. Um, so, so anyway, I just like, I didn't really fully understand what that was. Um, and my, I was very lucky that my mom kind of flew out to New York and helped out for a couple weeks and that was great. But then as I approached the second, childbirth and postpartum recovery, by then I had a much better idea of what a postpartum doula was. And I was like, I want that. Like I, this time I'm getting a labor and delivery doula and a postpartum doula. And it's just so wonderful to have somebody there taking care of your needs. And like we talked ahead of time, Esther was my doula and she was wonderful about what our preferences, what, what do I need from her? How can she best support me? And um, one of the best things that she did absolutely was snack plates, like 10 snack <laughs> plates a day. Like, and so like I get up at three in the morning breastfeeding the baby and I'm like, just like shoving in all this like wonderful, rich, nourishing food. Um, it was just like, I couldn't get enough. But anyway, so to have somebody come and she, she came to support me during that early postpartum and like prepared sits baths and um, answered questions just where you're like, oh, I feel like I'm bleeding more than I should. What do you think? And, you know, she would refer me to a doctor for a medical question, but just to have a sounding board of someone who's been around a lot of births, you know, oh. and I, I also had support from my mom and a mother-in-law who came at various points, but sometimes it's like, you don't always want to share all those details, the messy details with like a mother-in-law, but you do like, it's like, Esther, is this normal? Is this okay? <laughs> like, what should I do? Um, yeah. So it's just great to have someone to lean on who really understands birth and postpartum recovery. And um, we also have an article on our website. And I think you also do on the podcast website um, about what can you like one, one downside is a lot of women can't afford a doula, a postpartum doula. It's not covered by insurance. And so it's an out of pocket expense. Um, and so if it's a little bit not something that's part an option for you, um, hopefully there's other people in your network who can support you, whether it's a friend or a family member. Um, and we have a resource, which is a blog article that, that Esther helped write that will, will give you tips about, well, if somebody is going to come and support you, how can they best support you? Like, what do you need? Um, talk ahead of time about your preferences and things that you're comfortable with or like that seem like they would be amazing for you so that you can just like be the best help or your, your 
family member support person could be the best help to you um, because there's a lot of things you just don't think about. So if you're just like, oh, I'll just show up and do whatever you want. Well, sometimes the person who's early postpartum doesn't know what they want, you know, and that, and they're kind of in a fog and, but to have somebody who's just like, they're dedicated to supporting you is just amazing. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. 100%. And there are things that your friends or family members or other people in your support network can do for you. Um, so we'll share that article um, that Leah, you're just talking about as well as we have, um, and I think it links to this, the do's and don'ts of being a helpful visitor. It's kind of like a little checklist. It's easy. It's not a long read. You can even send it to someone who's thinking about coming and visiting an in-law or whoever it might be. You know, there's just so much good information out there, I'm sure as well. So, um, okay. So circling back, uh, you've got a program that's specific to birth prep, right? Yes. And it's, it's based on first trimester, second trimester, third trimester. So it's got a lot of detailed, specific information. Yeah. So, so it's an exercise program. Mm -hmm. Um, and the whole program follows ACOG guidelines. That's that same, uh, overseen body of obstetricians and gynecologists that I referred to earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so everything is safe. Everything is endorsed by OBs and other birth professionals. Um, but we, it's really a comprehensive exercise program that includes cardio, that includes strength training. And our strength training is specifically designed to address the postural imbalances of pregnancy. So like a lot of this, so right, the, the breasts become mm -hmm. heavy. Um, yeah. And plus we're already like doing computer work and, and everything. So it's like there tends to be a tightening um, and a contraction of the chest and front body muscles and a lengthening and weakening of the upper back muscles. So we have exercises that are designed specifically to help open the chest and and bring your body, your posture into neutral. Um, same with the core. Um, often women are even in afraid to engage their, their abdominal muscles. Like maybe they got the memo not to do crunches uh, during pregnancy, which I agree with. Don't do crunches, do other core stable, stabilizing exercises, but will help kind of teach you how to safely engage your core muscles, your abdominal muscles, so that you can take the brunt off the back. Because often there's that lordosis where the back just gets tighter and tighter. Um, and there can be like sciatica and just like a lot of other things going on that really make can, can make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And just doing exercises to strengthen the body correctly and balance everything out does wonders to avoid those discomforts or to minimize those discomforts. Um, so anyway, so we offer cardio that's safe. We offer strength training that's very specific to pregnancy. Um, and then we also offer everyday core and pelvic floor exercises that will help you find those muscles, connect to those muscles, feel a uh, acquainted to those muscles and also strengthen them appropriately so that you're being safe for yourself, safe for baby and preparing the core and pelvic floor for birth. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of the, the trimester, so we do have, we do have uh, sort of an intro two weeks that is appropriate for all trimesters. And then once, so that's kind of to help people understand the program, understand the core compressions, which is the foundational exercise that kind of permeates all of the things that we do. Um, and then you would choose a, a path after that based on your trimester. And the trimester paths are mostly going to vary a little bit in like intensity of workout, frequency of workout, um, and everything that we actually do in all trimesters is safe for all trimesters. So it's not like, mm. oh, if you chose the second trimester, you're actually third trimester, you did the math wrong, you're not going to hurt yourself, there's no problem. But um, we really kind of designed those different uh, trimester paths with the idea of, oh, early, early 
pregnancy, you're probably feeling crummy. You probably don't have as much energy. We're going to like do more restorative stuff, more invigorating light stuff, um, and maybe just less overall volume. And then as you get into second trimester, that's kind of like the most vigorous, the most frequent workouts, et cetera, because we know this is when most people feel better. And then third trimester, we again start to start to taper and start to prepare you more specifically for birth. So um, in terms of pelvic floor exercises and education, we're like getting you more ready for that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And is there something in those courses that um, you would recommend is like the one thing, like if someone did one thing um, across it all, it sounds like it's the core compressions. Um, Yeah, I would say it's the core compressions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that is a a healthy activation of your transverse abdominis, which is your deepest core muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, And it coordinates with the breath and it coordinates with the pelvic floor. And it just kind of helps you optimally engage those deep core muscles and it, and throughout your daily life too. So you can avoid lifting, you know, like sometimes women, especially during pregnancy, they might be like, I feel like almost every woman I know has moved during at least one pregnancy, like moved to a new house, right? Like or a new <laughs> apartment or whatever. It's like, there's all this nesting impulse. So I, I remember being shocked initially when I was training pregnant women. I'm like, every pregnant client is moving. <laughs> like you have a lot going on. You don't have to move right now, but it's like, they feel like they need another bedroom or they need whatever. So anyway, so, you know, there's packing boxes, there's like lifting, there's, you know, trying to do things and you might be somebody who's used to just doing everything for yourself. Um, Well, yes, you can still lift, but you need to be really aware of how you use your body. And if it's really heavy or awkward, let somebody else get that. But, you know, if you're, if you're lifting a moderate box, like we have videos that show you how do you do that safely? You bring the object towards you. So you're not like lifting way out, you know, like awkwardly, you know, like, so you're, kind of the physics of it, make it more challenging than it needs to be. So always draw the object to you or the child. You might have an older child, right? And you're lifting the toddler who maybe needs more comfort and more attention because the pregnancy is like making everything a little bit uncertain for that child. So anyway, bring the child or the object close to you and you're going to exhale, exhale like with strength, like you're forcefully exhaling and that will engage your deep core and it will also protect your pelvic floor so that you maybe don't leak urine when you make that effort of lifting the child or lifting the box. And so you don't uh, bulge downward on the pelvic floor, which can be less desirable, both for continence issues and for prolapse issues, et cetera. So just like functional movement, we kind of teach you how to have healthy posture during pregnancy, how to move better and how to just do things like lifting, or, you know, maybe you have a child where you need still in a car seat and you're trying to lift the heavy car seat. Like that's one of the hardest things. Also newborn, you have a newborn, maybe you just had a C-section and you have to get to your first pediatrician appointment. And you're like, well, it's me and the baby. So I guess I'm putting the baby car seat in the car, you know? So how do you do that as safely as possible so that you can promote healing with all of those movements versus injury? Great. There's so much you covered here. I really, really appreciate it. You have given us a code that listeners can use if they're interested in one of these programs that they can use for a discount. I think it's 10% off. Fourth trimester, all spelled out, and then one zero at the end. So you can use that and we'll have links on our website as well for that. So you can sign up if you're interested for any of these programs. I'm really happy that we covered all this information. Thank you so much, Leah. Really appreciate the time. Oh, thank you, Sarah. It was such a pleasure. 
You can subscribe to this podcast in order to hear more from us. Thank you for listening, everyone, and I hope you'll join us next time on the fourth trimester. The theme music on this podcast was created by Sean Trott. Hear more at soundcloud.com slash Sean Trott. Special thanks to my true loves, my husband Ben, daughter Penelope, and baby girl Evelyn. Don't forget to share the fourth trimester podcast with any new and expecting parents. I'm Sarah Trott. Goodbye for now. Hello again, bicycle man I know you're doing all that you can I wrote the song, simple and true I wrote the song, I'll sing a song for you You got your wheels, you got your gears you ride around town without any fear You got your pedals, you got your brakes You always wear your helmet for safety's sake song I sing a song for you